This is Laundry with Lila with your host, Laura, the podcast that's delivering you your weekly dose of girl chat. Hello, everyone. Welcome and thank you so much once again for joining me on my podcast. My next guest is another one of my talented, beautiful friends. Her name is Chloe. For anyone that's already had the privilege of meeting Chloe at our house, you just gravitate towards her. Her energy is so beautiful, so positive, and yeah, she's always the life of the party. Chloe also lives a very liberal lifestyle, and I think it's a lifestyle which a lot of you are going to find extremely interesting. She lets us into her world and what it means for her to be Polly. We discuss how her past partners have taken her lifestyle choice, how it's impacted her family relationships, and how her very religious father views her lifestyle. We talk about how masturbation can impact her sex life, her views on how she may raise her future children, and so much more. Chloe is also a full-time teacher, just finished part-time study, and also a very talented photographer. Trying to catch up with Chloe, even just for a wine, is something we always need to organise months in advance. So it was a big privilege, and I was extremely lucky to sit down with her and have this chat. So I hope you guys enjoy. Babe, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life today to be my next podcast guest. I am so freaking excited for this chat. We've been talking about it for like, what, two weeks, three weeks yeah. now? Oh, longer. Um, longer. <laughs> and I've been, oh, I find you just so fascinating and, you know, you're such a beautiful friend of mine. So, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for thinking of me. This is uh, going to be great. <laughs> He's hoping. <laughs> right? I mean. <laughs> I wanted to get you on the podcast because um, you, uh, like I said, you're so open. You're so, um, like, the flow. You're such a beautiful person. And I feel like more people need to be like you um, oh. and need to be kind of, like, living for themselves. Mm, mm. So, I mean, your your lifestyle, like, tell me about you. Tell me about who who's Chloe, like, what Ooh. makes you you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think my, I mean, if we go right back to the beginning, you know, I was raised in a very strict Catholic household, and I was at Catholic boarding school, and I was the religious captain at my Catholic high school. And so I had this very... Um, sort of narrow understanding of the world and what it was and what it meant for me to be like part of the world. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, I, I left all of that and went to university in Hamilton, of all places, and <laughs> my, my eyes were kind of opened. And I was like, what? There's, there's things like sex and boys and, you know, um, you know, also like sex with girls. I was like, this is a thing. And so I, I just started, I think once I left that very strict um, lifestyle, I kind of just didn't stop, you know, I just kept seeing what else was out there and I kept exploring all sorts of avenues and, um, and I, I think I still haven't stopped. I think I'm still sort of like, what's, what's the next thing? What's the next boundary mm-hmm. that I, what's the next open thing that I can do? Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think the having such a strict lifestyle in the beginning really changed my adult life because I realized that my life is up to me. You know, it's not up to the Bible. It's not up to the church. It's, you know, my life, my choices. And mm-hmm. I realized that there's actually a lot of choices that make me much happier than, um, 
you know, what the Catholics sort of tell you, what your society tell you. And society, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting how um, those two kind of like connect where you don't even have to be religious, but you can still have this understanding of what a relationship is or what, Mm -hmm. um, you know, is expected of you as a woman as well. Um, So, yeah, so once I sort of left that, started you know, dating. I had my first one night stand. I, you know, as you do when you're at university in Hamilton, it's very easy to do. <laughs> um, so, Dirty Hamilton. Yeah, right. Um, but it was, it was great. Um, so I just started um, exploring that whole thing. And um, then, you know, you, you finish that, you realize that sex is an option. You realize that sex is really fun and it's fulfilling. And especially if you go into sex with the right intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I I remember having a few like one night stands with some men and thinking, oh, maybe he's going to be my boyfriend. And it's like, no, the intention for the male was to have a one night stand, but the intention for me still wasn't clear. I still wanted a mm-hmm. bit of that romance. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned, you know, kind of the hard way um, about how sex can be a lot of different things. Um, it can be super casual or it can be super intimate. It can be super romantic. And then through exploring or understanding the different, um, you know, variations of sex, I discovered that, you know, sex can be polyamorous. Sex can be um, romantic with multiple people. You can have these uh, different connections to different people and that's okay, provided that everybody understands what the expectation is and Mm -hmm. so that kind of launched me into a bit of polyamory and dating Mm -hmm. multiple people and Mm my um again you know communication was always a really big thing with that I found that um you know once I decided that polyamory was something that I wanted and I would start a relationship with that as my intention saying hey I'm happy to date you but I want you to know that I'm also dating someone else and then I'm open to dating other people as well you realize how many men especially assume that polyamory just means threesomes oh, <laughs> really yeah right um, and so they're like oh cool I have this girl who's open to threesomes and it's like you know no it, it you you're still dating you're, you still have an emotional connection you have an emotional responsibility for each partner and I, I ended up having to sort of change how I spoke about polyamory so that certain people could understand it a bit better mm-hmm. um, because they would just assume that it meant like, you know, swinging or yeah. threesomes or whatever. And it's like, no, it also means my time. My yeah. time is going to multiple people and my energy is going to multiple people. And, you know, you also want all of your partners to connect together and socialize together like it's it's not like oh I'm going to date this person on Sunday and then date this person on Tuesday and then date this person on Wednesday it's like no we all catch up and we all spend time together and if that means we spend time sexually together or if that means we just spend time socially together mm-hmm. you realize that a lot of people don't want to have those multiple emotional relationships they just kind of want this threesome and it's Mm -hmm. like that's not quite how it works in my mind Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so I I remember dating this one man and he was really struggling with the concept of polyamory and so we were we were he was open to it but we were talking about it a lot and you could just see like the cogs ticking over in his brain like Mm -hmm. what have I gotten myself into or what is this 
And so I tried to explain to him, you know, my analogy and my analogy with polyamory is that, you know, when you, let's say you're a candle, so you're a little candle. And when you go and light another candle, your light doesn't get diminished at all. You don't lose any more of that candle light. You just light another candle. And then that candle can go and light another candle. And then all these candles get to light other candles. And eventually you're in this room full of like warmth and light. And it's beautiful. You know, we love lots of candles. And this man that I was dating at the time, he said, that doesn't make sense. I think the only reason you want lots of candles is because if one goes out, it doesn't matter. And you still have, you know, six other candles that you can go to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And so I, I was a little bit upset that he uh, flipped my, my beautiful analogy on its head. And it is a beautiful analogy. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. I it, may, it makes sense to me. And, um, and so I, I just sort of said to him, I, I was like, well, you're the one who's expecting the candle to go out. Like, I don't, I don't enter a relationship expecting it to end. I enter mm-hmm. a relationship expecting it to evolve and grow and flourish. And Mm -hmm. generally when the relationship ends, it's when, you know, the the two people or the, you know, three or four people can't reach a compromise that everyone's happy with. And you do part ways, but you don't have to, um, you know, snuff out a candle. You know, you can Mm -hmm. still have that warmth and light. It may not be in the same room anymore. Maybe they've gone to spread that somewhere else. And so I sort of had to, um, you know, once him and I had a few more conversations and we had open things up to polyamory he then realized that it wasn't for him and that mm-hmm. this idea of sleeping with multiple women or like dating lots of people uh wasn't all it was cracked up to be and that he actually really needed monogamy um he wanted mm-hmm. that security in that traditional sense mm-hmm. um so you know but him and I are still good friends him and oh, I that's still, amazing. yeah so we still catch up we we still hang out and so you know I think that analogy of like well your candle never went out my candle mm. never went out. We just moved. Wanted roots. different things. Yeah, we just wanted different things. And I think that's where communication um, with those sorts of things is super important. And this mm-hmm. is where I feel, um, you know, religion, if we're coming back to my, you know, origins, religion kind of failed me a little bit because the communication is very um, set in stone. It's like, this is what the Bible says. So this is what we do. And mm-hmm. there's no openness to changing that, or there's no, um, you know, there's Wiggle less, room. yeah, less reason for compromise. And so I think that's where, um, this, this whole new lifestyle for me really kind of came into its own because I learned how to communicate better. I learned mm-hmm. how to communicate my needs, how to talk about what I need as a person and also try to create a safe space for my partners to talk about what they need as people as well and yeah. try to come to that, um, come to that nice happy place that we all need and that's why this this conversation is so good because I'm not like we're not having this conversation because we're saying that everyone needs to be in a poly relationship or everyone needs to you know be bisexual or they need Mm. to be monogamous it's about actually just opening the conversations and allowing people to do what they want to do if they like you write your own book you write your own relationship rules yes you know, you, you don't have to stick to what the Bible says or what society yeah. says. But also, if that's what you want, that's also okay. If you want to be monogamous, that is totally okay. Completely. And I think, you know, there's, um, you know, there's also, we need to also have this room for change. 
where mm-hmm. you might start a relationship monogamous and then say, hey, I would like to open it up. Or you might start a relationship polyamorous and then say, hey, actually, I think I just need a bit more intimacy with one person. And sure. I, I feel like so often as soon as you label something or as soon as you, you know, do do anything like that, you're then stuck. Like, And, and people don't expect you to change. And I'm like, no, we're supposed to change. We're supposed to grow. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to try new things. I, um, so I recently, I got a new job mm-hmm. and the, I was filling out the paperwork and they were like, oh, we need to know your, um, you know, your emergency contact in case anything goes wrong. And I was like, hmm, who, who do I choose? <laughs> like, which one is my emergency Who's contact? Who's the lucky person? <laughs> yeah. And so I had to sit there and think about it. And then I, I said to the, um, you know, my, the admin lady who's helped me with the paperwork, I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll put my partner down. And so I go to put my, one of my partner's names down and, um, and she goes, oh, um, is, you know, partner male or female? I mean, we can't assume anything these days. And I was like, that's a really beautiful response. Like actually acknowledging that, hey, you know, we can't assume that just because I'm female, I have a male partner. Mm-hmm. And then her and I got into the conversation where I said, oh, I used to have a female partner, but now I currently have a male partner. And she was like, oh what brought on the change and I just said to a change is good like just because you know and I I do think that sometimes as a bisexual woman people just assume that you you know once you go from dating a woman and then you go back to dating men or you date both at the same time um people think that you have to choose like you you have you know and they don't quite understand that actually sex you know for me is more about the person rather than the body Mm-hmm. um you know and as long as you know people ask me what what do you look for in a person like what are you most attracted to and one of my favorite comments is skin I'm attracted to skin <laughs> like if a person doesn't as have long as skin, they're a human yeah like if I'm seeing like you know lots of blood or bones or you know muscles I'm like yeah I probably don't feel attracted to that that just looks icky to me so if you're like what are you attracted to in a person I'm like skin just skin. Just as long as they have skin and like a personality, I'm I'm keen. <laughs> and, and a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah and a heartbeat. Yes, please. Uh, you know, we need those basic things. <laughs> um, but it's it's so interesting how you know you can ask that comment to a lot of other people and they're like, Oh, I really like blue eyes or I like big butts or I like, you know, mm-hmm. big boobs. And it's no, I think for me I, I just need skin and a heartbeat. Yeah. That- <laughs> No, that's I love that. That is so. Um, I love that because yeah, you're totally right, and that's what that's what being poly is about, right? You're attracted to multiple people at the same time, and being bisexual, like you've mm-hmm. said, you don't have to pick in a lane. Like you mm. bounce around because you're attracted to both. Yeah. Like what's wrong with that? You know. And I think there's so you know this whole thing of like one person cannot fulfill all of your needs. And Mm -hmm. this is why, you know, people have, you know, lots of friends and lots of different friendship circles and Mm -hmm. um, friendship groups. And, you know, it's like those, you know, these different people fulfill different sides of us. Mm -hmm. And so I have, you know, my friends who are very sexual. And so we go to swingers clubs or we do like, you know, group sex things. But then I have my friends who are very artistic. And so we go to gallery exhibitions and you know do like painting courses and stuff Mm -hmm. and then I have my friends who are you know we go to concerts and music festivals together and (laughs) I don't understand why society expects your one partner 
to fulfill all those needs or that one partner to be the one person that you go to for all these different things it's like we have multiple, yeah we have multiple friends why can't we have multiple partners for different things and also as a woman I you know and as a sexual woman I you know there's different versions of sex that I like sometimes you just want really rough sex or BDSM or a bit of choking and hair pulling other mm-hmm. times you want that slow intimate like um you know just a bit of bump and grinding lots of kiss me down my neck beautiful music you know and so why can't we have multiple partners for that thing why do we expect our one partner to be able to fill all those things for us (laughs) and that is a topic that is I'm real passionate about because Mm. not so much maybe society but a lot of women get into relationships not knowing who they are and expecting this person yes. to fill everything up for them. And it's so much responsibility for that other person to mm-hmm. have to fill your needs. So if you know what you want and you, you know, give yourself so much love and don't mm-hmm. expect that one person to fill your cup up, you're going to, mm-hmm. you know? Mm. And, and you're, I, I have not an issue, but like I sometimes find that I have these really high expectations of myself and sometimes I put those expectations on other people and it's very easy to put those expectations on your partner and that's not fair. Um, you have to meet them at their level and you have to understand that, you know, they have their own needs as well. Um, and yeah, so it can be quite, um, it, it can be a little bit challenging when you're having to manage your own expectations and then, you know, manage that disappointment. You know, people, mm-hmm. people are not bulletproof. We, we do get our feelings hurt even when the best intentions are there. And mm-hmm. so I think that's been a, a thing that I'm still navigating is disappointment and navigating, you know, the word no, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm like a toddler. I don't like it when people tell me no. <laughs> um, it makes you want it more. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I recently got out of a relationship with um, one of, you know, I was dating two men at the same time. And one of them, I realized that actually that there was a lot of, um, I kept having these really high expectations of that person. Like he was my primary partner. And I, I just realized that I was getting disappointed and then he was getting frustrated because I was getting disappointed with some of the things he was saying and some of the things he was doing. And so we just realized that actually, you know, you know, we probably both need some therapy. Like we probably (laughs) both need to just go and get some counseling or something. Um, because I packed a big tantrum (laughs) because he, I got tickets to, um, a musician, a singer, his name is Teeks. He's a New Zealand singer. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love his music. Love his music. Right. And so I said to my primary partner, I I got tickets to Teeks. I'm so excited. Let's go. And he goes, they like his music. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? How dare you? Yeah. How can you not? And I was like, well, it doesn't matter if you like his music or not. I'm your partner. You have to come with me. And he looks at me and he goes, no, I don't. And I was like, yes, you do. (laughs) And so I was shocked. I was so, so mad. So I ended up going with, um, you know, one of my girlfriends who we call her the renter girlfriend because she's happily single, but she will often come in and play the role when uh, people need her too. She's lovely. <laughs> uh, so I ended up calling her and I was like, well, my primary partner won't come to takes with me and you're my rancher girlfriend. So you have to come. And she was like, totally awesome. Let's go. 
but just that just managed the, the fact that I got upset that he told me no the fact that I got mm-hmm. upset that he said hey actually I like something other than what you like mm-hmm. and I'm not going to join in on something that you like just because I'm your partner um I realized in that moment that hey actually maybe I need to be a bit more comfortable with uh, managing my expectations and also understanding that you know no means no and I shouldn't like try to force someone to like join in with something just because their title is you know my partner you know you wouldn't you wouldn't say that to one of your friends or you wouldn't say that to your mum. maybe I don't know maybe some people do but uh, it was it was a bit of a wake-up call for me where I was like oh actually I need to manage my expectations with people that's amazing that you can you know pull yourself out pull yourself up like that and be like oh actually you know what I'm doing is not actually okay and I need to he's allowed to not want to do these things he doesn't and that's the beauty of human relationships right human relationships relationships (laughs) and human just humans in general is we're all different it would be Mm. so damn boring if we were the same completely completely and And, mm. you go (laughs) oh well um I was I was just thinking you know this whole thing of understanding you know what my needs are as well and is my need for someone to say yes to me um, higher than my, you know, need for compromise or understanding or, you know, hearing the word no. And mm-hmm. so we talk about fulfilling our own needs or not having, um, you know, having different people to like support those needs and all that stuff. And, and for some reason, I, I need a yes <laughs> quite often. Yeah. So I'm like, where's that coming from? Why do I have that uh, welling up inside me? And when I hear the word no, um, you know, it doesn't sit well. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, it brought up a lot, you know, just a simple thing of, hey, let's go to a concert. No, wait mm-hmm. a minute. <laughs> yeah. Now, now I think I need some, some serious counseling or something. I don't know if there's a therapist listening. Please contact me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, going back to like your, the poly stuff, how do you approach that with your partners? How do you, have you ever been in a monogamous relationship and at, at the start or has it always been poly or yeah how do you kind of bring those conversations up with the people that you I've I've definitely been in monogamous relationships I think you know when you start dating you um you know you stick with the traditions that's how you start yeah what you know yeah and it's what your parents have shown you You know I have very traditional parents and so that was that but it really kind of started for me when I was dating a man who was living in Wellington and I was living in Auckland and so we were seeing each other once every three months And Mm -hmm. so we realized that a lot of our sexual needs weren't being met. And when we were seeing each other, we felt like there was an expectation that we had to have sex because otherwise we were going to go another three months without it. And so when we, you know, when you're not in the mood for sex or like, let's say I was on my period or something and you don't want to do it, but then you feel like you have to, and it became Mm -hmm. a chore. And Mm -hmm. so we, so that's what opened up the conversation for us was I said, why does sex always feel like a chore? Because we're both very sexual people, but for some reason, the expectation of we see each other once every three months, so therefore we have to bang, um, was just not working. And so that's when we decided to open up the relationship and Mm -hmm. we, you know, he had some, some lovely ladies in Wellington that, you know, knew about me and were happy to work within the relationship that we all had and I had some lovely gentlemen up here in Auckland who knew about me and were happy to well, knew about my partner in Wellington and it started off more as like uh swinging so mm-hmm. 
him and I, we set a boundary and the boundary was we don't have sex with other people in our own beds. So Mm -hmm. my house, my bed, that's reserved for, you know, me and my primary partner. And that's where we come together and, and sleep together. Same thing with him, his house, his bed that was reserved for us. But if we wanted to go to swingers club or go back to somebody else's house or book a hotel room and see someone or even go to, you know, a brothel or a sensual massage parlor, all -hmm. those things just became open on the table. And so we had the boundary of our beds are for us. Mm -hmm. And then anything outside of that was, you know, all good. Mm -hmm. And it really changed a lot. It just, it fixed so many of our problems. Because then we started having, you know, more conversations about the sex that we were having, you know, without each other. And it was almost like this, this type of foreplay, like, mm-hmm. and so we would have like a phone call and I, and he'd be like, oh, what did you get up to on the weekend? I was like, oh, you know, I went to a massage parlor. I went to the swingers club and we started like talking about all that. And then when we finally did see each other, we had this, you know, some sexual experience under our belts that we wanted to like bring to the bedroom. We had this like raw animal energy because we'd been talking about sex over the phone so much and we you know it just it really helped us brought that passion back yeah brought the passion back because it wasn't so much about you know the the need of sex it was sex just became part of you know uh what we talked about our relationship all that stuff and i also find for me personally if i masturbate too much I find it really hard to get off with another person because I've sort of trained myself to get off in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so I sometimes find that if I don't masturbate and then I get with someone or, you know, I have sex with my partner, the sex is much better and it's a lot easier for them to get me off as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I noticed that because I was able to sleep with other people, because we had opened up our relationship, the sex was just better because mm-hmm. I wasn't just left masturbating, training my body to come in a certain way. And then when my partner got involved, it was different. And my mm-hmm. body was like, hold on, that's not how we do things. Mm-hmm. So um, I found that that actually helped us as well because we, we both got that need, you know, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what started the whole polyamory thing. And now when I date people, it's sometimes like the first conversation that I bring up. Um, if yeah. I meet someone new or anything like that, I just say, hey, you know, are you into polyamory? This is what it means for me. Um, this is what it might mean for you. Or you can tell me what your ideas are around it. And you kind of go from there. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, it, because it's such a priority um, for me these days, mm-hmm. it really, it is one of the first conversations that you have. And I think, you know, some people will, have those first conversations of, you know, do you want kids? Because that's mm-hmm. a big thing for some people. They're like, I want to have a family. And I think you need to get those hard conversations out of the way first. Why do we spend so much time chit-chatting and, you know, oh, what's your favorite color? Like, Yeah, is? like we, we really don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's get down to the thing. Like, you know, are you, you know, my first questions are, you know, are you open to polyamory or swinging? If you've never done it before, that's fine. I can introduce you to the lifestyle, you know, but we need to have an open communication about it. You know, do you want children? And, mm-hmm. you know, are you, you know, do you have a job, basically? Are you financially <laughs> stable? Can you work through a pandemic? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I think we all can now. Well, maybe not, but yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I know. It, um, you know, I think the, the whole COVID thing and the lockdown thing really changed a lot for a lot of people. And that probably changed a lot for how you're dating as well, did it? Yes. You obviously can't go and see other people. So no. how did how did that happen? How did you navigate through that? So I um, lockdown happened shortly after I left my primary partner. So I had two partners. Um, and so I left my primary partner and then my secondary partner said to me, Hey, you know, I, I would like to be your primary. Like I would like to be the, you know, the main person, like the person that you put down for your emergency contact list at work. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would like to be that. Um, and so I said, okay, you know, you can have a promotion. Sounds great. Let's do it. Like, but, you know, also thank you for having that initiative to say, hey, this is what I want. Like, and I'm, mm-hmm. I want to be that person for you. So I was like, great, awesome. And then we went into lockdown. And so, of course, when you're not meeting new people or when you've just exited a, a relationship and you're still, you know, sort of healing from that in a way and, you know, navigating how do we stay friends, um, it was it, I became very heavily reliant on my primary partner. He was the one that I was calling. He's the one that, um, you know, I would talk about my day to. And we had a cute little routine where we would do a video call and watch the same movie at the same time. And so we, so cute. Yeah. So we'd video call each other and they'd be like, all right, three, two, one, play. And we'd both hit play at the same time. And so we, you know, so we, we had these cute little, you know, cute little routines during lockdown and now that we're out of lockdown um you know we're planning to do christmas at each other's families you know we're going to meet each other's families and um do those sorts of things so but we haven't had the opportunity yet still to engage with other couples or engage with other singles and um at the moment i think as we both get used to socializing again we do notice Mm -hmm. that it's it can be very challenging and very draining when you go from like being by yourself all the time to then, you know, sure. group, yeah, like a group of three people or a group of like, you know, anyone. Um, and I mean, I found that like we've just had my son's birthday party and, you know, there was 25 people here and I had a panic attack in the kitchen yeah. because I was like, <laughs> I have not been around this many people in so long. And I'm very like extroverted, very yes. extroverted. But at that moment, because it had been so long, it just stressed me out. I think it even affected my son as well. Like he he was overwhelmed, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's there's so much going on in those moments, and mm-hmm. I think we really do need to realize how lockdown has changed how we socialize, mm-hmm. and it's also changed who we socialize with. Like I'm now suddenly very aware of you know asking people hey who's vaccinated Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and that's become a normal part of the conversation and though it's quite an invasive uh question for a lot of people um it's still become really important for me um especially with you know my job I work with people with disabilities and Mm -hmm. those who are immune compromised and so if any of them were to get covid it would be very detrimental. Um, so I have to take extra precaution with who I'm socializing with, how I socialize and, mm-hmm. you know, all of that just to make sure that, you know, my work life is also protected. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think the whole, um, you know, in terms of me and my current relationship with swinging, you know, polyamory, all of that, that might take, you know, a decent amount of time to even mm-hmm introduce new people and because we've had so long of just us 
um, you know, it, it's going, it's going to be a very interesting dynamic if we introduce mm-hmm. another person. And um, so we'll see how it goes. I mean, that's a to be continued kind of topic. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you feel like because the swinging or the poly stuff was missing during lockdown, do you feel your needs were met during lockdown mm-hmm. or did you feel a bit? Um, interesting question. I felt, so I was also studying this year. And so um, when you're at uni, you're just stressed all the time. Like you, you just go from being stressed to more stressed to, oh, assignments done. And then, oh, nope, there's the next one, more stress. And yeah. so my libido drops when I'm stressed out. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I'm sure for most people. So mm-hmm. being in lockdown, having uni to focus on and, you know, I think that really helped because I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything because mm-hmm. I had the thing that I had to focus on and that was, get get my grades, do the assignment, do that thing. And then whenever I wanted to connect with my partner, you know, over the phone, I could. Um, so I don't feel like I've missed out. I don't feel like my, my needs were any less. I feel like my needs shifted during lockdown. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. My, my sexual needs went from, you know, hey, look, we're actually too stressed to care about sex. Like that's kind of, you know, a, a sort of primal instinct that I just wasn't focused on. Um, so, yeah, I haven't missed out on it so much and I have noticed that now that we've been able to extend our bubbles to our other people and we've been able to you know socialize a bit more getting into the groove of sex has been a um it's been a process you know Mm -hmm. I think I think nothing comes easily when you've spent you know 105 days by yourself um so it's yeah so we're still easing into it where um you know we're doing a lot a lot of foreplay instead of like penetrative sex you know mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of um just like cuddling as well just sort of that um that intimacy, intimacy. yeah getting comfortable sleeping in a bed next to someone like oh yeah yeah right it's the- so it changes everything um for sure i mean i notice when my, my husband isn't home i don't sleep because yeah. I'm so used to having him there. So I can only begin, you know, I can only imagine yeah. that when you've been alone for so long, bringing someone back into the bed and you're like, oh my God, you're in my fucking side. Like, yeah. over. like yeah. who are you? This is yeah. my bed. Yeah. Oh, so it's been really interesting. So we've been having to do, you know, like one night on, one night off or like in, you know, easing into that because sleep is really important. You know, if you, mm-hmm. if you don't have proper sleep, like your whole day gets ruined. So sure. we've had to, and also like, swapping beds like when I sleep in his bed I'm like mm, this pillow is not my pillow like why, mm. why is this not right so having to just readjust all those readjustments take time and um I think the the beautiful thing about my current partner is that he's very patient and mm-hmm. he's very um again open to you know what are I think he's a bit more relaxed than I am so his thing is always whatever makes you happy makes me happy you know, what do you need to feel comfortable? Because if you're comfortable, then I can relax because I know that you're taken care of. And That's it's so really, nice. It's so lovely. It's so nice. And and the things that I struggle to compromise on, he's really chilled out about. And then the mm-hmm. things that he struggles to compromise on, I'm really chilled out about. And so oh, like, that's beautiful. That's yeah, probably so, why you guys get along so well. Yes. Yes. Everything's so so easy um and we've just sort of slipped into things quite nicely um excuse me I'm gonna have a little sip of tea (laughs) that's all right um going back to 
you know your religious family so mm-hmm. how do they know about what what you're like how did you approach that situation mm-hmm. how did they take that yeah um i i feel like my mother is very intuitive mm-hmm. so she sort of brought it up herself um and which i i quite liked so we were i'd gone to visit my mom she lives in tauranga and we were walking around um mount monganui you know just going for a nice little stroll and uh this was well before lockdown this was a good three four years ago so we're going for a walk around mount monganui and um she was telling me about how some of her friends uh recently bought a spa pool and like you know put it in there at their house you know she's like oh yeah you know these people have a spa pool and I was like oh yeah you know that sounds nice and she goes yeah we probably won't ever go into the spa pool because we think they're swingers and I like burst out laughing and I was like mom you have friends who are swingers and she was like I only say this to you because I don't want you getting involved with my friends. And I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, oh my God, mom. And I just burst out laughing. And I I sort of looked at her and I was like, how did you know? Like, you know, and and she was just like, well, I am your mother. And I'm just letting you know that there are still boundaries. As much as you're an adult, there's still boundaries. I was like, (laughs) okay, cool, mom. I won't get with your friends who have a new sample. (laughs) I mean, but also, was that even in your mind? (laughs) No, like, I didn't even know these people. Like, I haven't even (laughs) met them before. Um, Oh, my God. It was just really funny how she sort of brought it up. And I think this was also... Um, you know, shortly after I'd uh, told my family that I was bisexual and that I was dating a woman and, um, you know, and I sort of told them a little bit about, you know, my partner who was living in Wellington at the time and how we had sort of opened things up a little bit to make things easier on ourselves. And so, you know, so we'd had some very light conversations around sex or sexuality. And then, um, it, you know, it wasn't until mum brings it up on this beautiful stroll around the mount. And she's like, yes, we don't jump Don't fuck my friends. Yeah, don't fuck my friends. And don't get into their sample, please. Um, you probably get chlamydia. Like, yeah, where I was like, okay, cool. At least now we're on the same page. So we, you know, my mum has sort of said to me that she finds it all a little bit confusing. And mm-hmm. so she's like, I would prefer it if, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, a primary partner and secondary partners and things like that. She says, I would prefer it if I only ever knew your primary partner. And mm-hmm. I was like, cool. So she's happy for me to do what I want. But when it comes to, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthdays and, you know, those things, like just bring the same person. Like we don't need to confuse the rest yeah. of the family. We don't need to do that. Just bring the, the consistent Poor old person. Nana and be like, why is there fucking yeah. two people here? <laughs> right. Exactly. Like what is going on here? Uh, <laughs> so she's, she's been very open um, about it. I think she's, you know, she set her boundaries, but she's also understood that, you know, a lot of the things that I do in my life don't actually affect her. Like mm-hmm. how how does my sex life affect my mother? Well, it doesn't, you know. And, exactly. And thank God. Um. So <laughs> we we've had those conversations, and then you know, uh, my parents are separated. So my my father, who lives in Rotorua, he's still very Christian, very Catholic. He does not accept that I am bisexual, and he was very upset when I told him that I was dating a woman, and that turned into a whole little conversation about itself. Um, and so I just don't bring it up with him because 
you know, he's he's retired, he's old, one day he'll mm-hmm. he'll pass. Let's just have these last, you know, few years together just in peace and and quiet. Yeah. Um yeah. so I don't feel the need to bring it up with him. And you know, as we've said, my sex life doesn't affect my parents. And if I bring my primary partner home and we stick to those boundaries of like, yes, this is the primary person that I'm seeing and dating and that mm-hmm. remains consistent, then that that's okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I think just, yeah, the, the whole family thing has been very interesting. But I think my family also knows that I've always been a bit of the black sheep pretty much as mm-hmm. soon as I stepped away from religion. Um, it was... It was just this this whole new me and they always grappled with, you know, oh, you've changed. And I'm like, yes, we're supposed to. Uh, yeah, we, we do get older, guys. Yeah, like we yeah, we do. We, we find do. new things. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think I just try to work with my family based on, you know, their needs. We talk about fulfilling our needs and having our needs met and what are your family's needs. And my family just needs a bit of consistency and a bit of traditional um you know more traditionalist relationships because that makes them more comfortable and it helps them connect with my partners on on a different level or like on a nice family level so and I mean that's great that you've even had those conversations with your family because unfortunately um not everyone has that platform Mm -hmm. to talk to their parents or I remember mum and I were getting into a conversation about my sex life and oh yeah started going into an argument because she wasn't agreeing with some of the things that I was saying and I just like and I was yelling back at her and and I just stopped and I said you know what my sex life has got nothing to fucking do with you Mm. and I'm actually done with this conversation because it's not important to you I don't want you to know about this stuff you know yes um but yeah so many people out there you know as you know New Zealand is catching up with the times but when not everyone is yeah some people are still stuck behind and still you know bisexual as you've just said your dad's very religious and still the idea of you dating a woman is holy shit I mean fuck if that's what he's worried about imagine what (laughs) you told him some of the other stories you could tell him exactly I mean my goodness I I remember him you know I because I also got quite upset with him when I told him that I was dating a woman and he you know he asked me you know is this a phase are you aware that this is a sin? A phase in your 30s. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going through a phase. Um, and and I was like, wow, like, and this was also like one, this was my third, you know, girlfriend that I'd had. Like I'd had casual sex with, you know, women for quite a while, but dating, I've, I've properly dated three women in my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so this was my third girlfriend. And I was like, oh my God, like this is not a phase. And um, my dad said to me, you know, back in my day, um, it was a, a criminal offense to be gay. And oh, if you, you were gay, you got arrested. And so, you know, understanding where he comes from, his upbringing, um, mm-hmm. all of that, I did have to have a little bit of you know, kind of kind of sympathy for him, I guess, mm-hmm. where it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not going to change your mind overnight. And I do understand that you are, you know, very religious, you are fearing for my soul. And because of your upbringing where being gay was a criminal offense uh you know you're also sort of fearing for my safety in like a weird way even though Mm -hmm. it's no longer a criminal offense he's still conditioned to believe that there is danger when you are um gay or bisexual or queer Mm -hmm. um so yeah so I had to sort of meet him on his level 
understand that. And, you know, but also similar to what you did with your mom, just draw a line in the sand and be like, Mm -hmm. you know what, we're not, we don't have to have this conversation. We don't need to talk about this. Mm -hmm. You know, how's, how's the weather? Yeah, exactly. How's the garden? You know, how are the dogs? And so we've just sort of set some boundaries around what we talk about. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and it's great because we want to have, you know, healthy relationships with our families. Um, Sometimes that involves some very strong boundaries. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think like it's so good because our like our children will never really understand. I don't think we'll ever have to experience that. Mm-hmm. You, do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like we like we're being brought up in a society. Sorry, we like we're bringing our children up, or um, where it's becoming so normal that our children hopefully will never experience it yes. being weird. It's just the norm. Yes, you know. Yes, and yeah. I. I do wonder, you know, I consider myself to be quite an open-minded person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do wonder, like, if or when I have children, what are they going to do that I'm going to disagree with? You know, yeah. What, yeah. What, what could possibly happen in the next 10, 20, 15 years where I'm going to be like, oh, you can't date a robot. Like, <laughs> how weird not is that? how it's done. <laughs> and so ha- I, I'm... Yeah, sorry, yeah. you go. <laughs> oh, I, I just, I'm just really um, sort of excited and uh, nervous for what, what could my children possibly do where I'm going to be like, oh, that's bad. Like, we don't yeah. do that. <laughs> and how, talking about your children, your future children, obviously. Future children. How, how open would you be with them about your, what your, your past has been like? Mm, I think, so I was raised, or at least, you know, my mother sort of raised us in a way where, she didn't tell us things unless we asked about it. Mm-hmm. And so when it came to sex, I, I remember going to her and I said, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, um, you know, Adam and Eve lay together, um, you know, and then they had a son. And so I remember going to my mom and I was like, what's laying together mean? Like, what, how, do, how does that work? Because, you know, as a little kid, you know, you lay with your mom on the couch and you come mm-hmm. up to your dad and you sit on his knee and so you I don't get my, pregnant. Yeah, and yet you don't get pregnant. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, and so I, I remember going to my mom and saying, what does lay together mean? And so then she sort of started the conversation about sex, but she was very adamant that in order to have sex, you had to be married first. So mm. I sort of grew up with this idea that it was impossible to have sex unless you were married. <laughs> um, you're so naive, so young. Yeah, um, I mean, but, bless our family because they're just trying to protect us, but also you guys are dicks. Yeah, right. Like, I, I think it's okay to have adult conversations with young children. You know, it's okay to give them the facts. But it wasn't oh, for sure. until we got a, it wasn't until we started getting pets. So I remember getting a kitten. My sister got a pet hamster. And we, the pet hamster, unfortunately, was pregnant when we got her. And so the pet hamster had babies. And so I didn't understand how she was just pregnant because, like, I didn't see the male hamster, you know. But I remember mm-hmm. when I got my kitten, we had to go to the vet to get her, you know, spayed, neutered, whatever. And I remember asking mom, why does she need surgery? And mom was like, so she can't have babies. And so then we started having the question again around sex. How do cats have sex? Or how do hamsters have sex? How, mm-hmm. how does reproduction work? And mm-hmm. how does that information translate into human lives? And so my mom would always wait until we asked questions. And then mm-hmm. she would give us, you know, her version of the answer. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's sort of a healthy way to go about it. Because then you know your child is ready for 
for the information when they're asking mm-hmm. about it and you know that they're processing the information instead yeah. of sort of sitting a child down and being like, okay, now that you're five years old, we're going to have to talk about the birds and the bees. And your child may not be ready for it then. They may not mm-hmm. um, even have that on their radar. They're like, why do I talk about birds and bees when I'm playing with trucks? Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. so I think that was a quite a nice way to be raised. Um mm-hmm. So I would probably like to keep that. If my child asks questions, then give them the answer instead of sort of forcing information on them just because yeah. we think they're ready. Um, yeah, I think like me and my husband, we always have, me and my husband, me and Ricky, <laughs> we yeah. always have that conversation because, as you know, we are both so open-minded. We're so, you know, um, understanding. And we always have the conversation, even with my stepdaughter, I remember her saying to me when I was pregnant, she said to me, Lala, like there's a baby in your tummy and I said yes there is a baby in my tummy how did the baby get in my tummy and I said to looked at Ricky and I was like okay and (laughs) the the issue that we have there is obviously um she's not my daughter whereas Mm. if it was my son saying these questions I would just be completely honest um Mm. and you know keep it like factual and all those kinds of things whereas her mum's a bit um closed-minded in that regard so we have to obviously tread lightly but yeah, like I, I also am the strong believer that if you're sitting your kids down, having the birds and bees chat, you may mm-hmm. have failed a little bit as a parent because mm-hmm. they, they shouldn't need one chat. It should be like an yes. open conversation, you know, it should be, yes. it's just, a, it's because sex is so, it's such a normal part of life. Everyone has sex. Generally, everyone has sex. Yeah. Um, most, most people have sex, right? And yes. that's how babies are born. And it's, it's so normal and it has to be we have to normalize it more yes and and that's exactly it like and you know the the whole thing is um it is you know I like what you said about how if you're having one conversation you have kind of failed as a parent because it's ongoing Mm -hmm. and the conversations that you have with small children is Mm -hmm. one thing but then the conversations that you have with teenagers and you know going through puberty and then conversations with adults age appropriate of course exactly you know and so Mm. you can't just have one conversation you need to have multiple conversations and I remember um you know the year I lost my virginity I was I was 21 at the time I'd lost my virginity after going to uni in Hamilton you know Um, (laughs) good old Hamilton it changes you um (laughs) And my mom, I'd gone home for like the uni school holidays and mom could tell that something was, something was up. She was like, you're not your usual self. Like she could tell that I was being a bit reserved. So she sits me down and she's like, Hey, you know, what's going on? Like, I'm a bit worried about you. Like, you know, what's, what's happening. And I, I remember crying and I said, mom, I've had sex and I, I'm not dating the person and I don't intend to date the person. I'm not married to the person. And mom had a little you know bless her soul she she had a little giggle and she was like is that all (laughs) is that what's wrong and I was like yeah I thought you'd be mad at me and she was like oh honey you're 21 like it's fine you do you um and so it was (laughs) that conversation that I had with my mother was went very different to that (laughs) oh did it (laughs) yeah I was um I was 14 though and it was like you've had sex oh fuck I better take you and go get you the doctors and put you on the pill (laughs) See, and and also like I I do find it interesting because that was also my mum's first question was did you use protection mm-hmm. and I was like yes and but also like there was no sort of conversation of did you protect yourself emotionally 
you mm-hmm. know so did you protect yourself physically is there a risk of pregnancy or you know any stds or stis or anything like that which yes that's important but we also need to have conversations around you know how do you feel about it was the man good to you or did he coerce you or were you did you feel safe you know mm-hmm. all those things and so it's so interesting how the amount of people that i've spoken to where the parents first response is on you know contraception or mm-hmm. condoms Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, hold on. Where's where's the thing for our emotions? Where's mm-hmm. the condom for my heart? Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you don't learn. A, unfortunately, you learn about that the hard way, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really wish that there was a way to I wish that my parents sort of had a different conversation around protecting yourself emotionally. And yeah. their answer was always marriage. Oh, once you marry the person, then you're protected emotionally. No, my <laughs> no. parents are divorced. <laughs> There's no... <laughs> There's that a ring on your finger it does not protect you emotionally, mom. Yeah, um, exactly. So I I hope that as I have these you know open conversations with my partners and as I sort of practice the dialogue of you know polyamory or what does this mean or how do I meet your needs and how do we protect ourselves emotionally and how do we look after each other emotionally and how do we keep you know filling our lives with warmth and light. Mm-hmm. that those conversations will then become part of the dialogue with, you know, my potential future children around how do we keep ourselves emotionally and physically safe um, mm-hmm. during sex. Yeah, that's so, so important. Yeah. Oh, my God, I could just sit here for hours. You, like, obviously, you know, when we do, do get together and have wines, we go oh, until yeah. 4 a.m. most, <laughs> most times. <laughs> I could just sit here and talk to you about this kind of stuff all day, but I won't do that. <laughs> Um, if my listeners want to get to know you a bit better, if they want to, um, cause I know you're a photographer, which you've got some beautiful yes. work, um, on top of everything else that you do, where can my listeners follow you? Oh, uh, well, my Instagram handle is at lady.c.bird. Mm-hmm. So they can find me on Instagram and I'm very open with that platform. I do have a private account, so you do have to request to follow me. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that just protects anyone that I photographed, um, mm-hmm. you know, their identities and also gives me some choice on who I connect with. Um, For sure. You know, I like to stalk a profile first. So, um, <laughs> so make sure your profile is not, not private. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that would probably be the best way for people to uh, get in touch and have Amazing. some chats. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much again, my love. It's been lovely chatting to you. And I will make sure I link all your details below so people can find you. But, yeah, Thank thanks you. for the chat. That was so, so beautiful. I, I've so enjoyed your um, – laundry with lala you know things coming out and i'm always looking at your instagram to go oh when's the next one when's the next one? Oh, you're and, so beautiful oh i love it so well and well done on starting this as well i have to say um <laughs> i love that you've been proactive with these sorts of things and that you've created a way where you can not only connect with your friends but also share some of the awesome stuff that you know we talk about and you've got such a varied friendship circle as mm-hmm. well and mm-hmm. that your, your content is just so fantastic Oh, you're so beautiful. Stop, you're making me blush. (laughs) (laughs) All right, darling, I will let you go. Have a lovely Friday. You too. Enjoy. Bye. Bye. As always, guys, I really appreciate you listening to this conversation. To stay up to date with me and what I'm up to, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, leave me a review, and follow me on Instagram at laundrywithlala. Can't wait to chat with you next time. See ya.